Welcome to Christ is the Cure with Nick Campbell. Here we bring you theology, apologetics, and a resource for growth on the basis of Scripture alone. Sit back and enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. This is episode 44, and it is a special episode indeed, as we have a special guest. But before we get into that, I want to say thank you to all my patrons for making this possible. We are doing great things. We have more uh, special guests who are already in the talks for being on the show. A lot of cool things happening. A lot to talk about next week when we get back as well. During this interview, there was a little bit of rain, so I apologize if um, you hear some rain in the background. But uh, we have our first special guest today, and her name is Kristen Carden. She is currently a worship leader at Oak Hills Church, the Crownwoods location, which is pastored by Max Licato. She runs the website worshipwithabandon.com, and I'll leave that link in the description of this episode. And today's topic is all about worship. We have a great discussion on worship today, so sit back and I hope you enjoy it. Uh, before I begin, I want to clarify that this show does lean heavily towards the regulative principle of worship while recognizing that either extreme of the normative or the regulative principle becomes convoluted. However, we're going to discuss that at a later time. Let's just enjoy the conversation at hand. So here we have Kristen. Kristen, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I uh, grew up in church, knew about the love of Jesus since I was a kid, and um, I would say it really became real to me, you know, somewhere in middle school and really started falling in love with who Jesus is. And not too long after that, I started serving in my worship ministry in high school. And uh, that's here in the San Antonio area. I've been here pretty much all my life. And since starting in the worship ministry, just, I thought I was already in love with Jesus until I started singing for him. And then I was like, oh, no, this is this is what I was made to do. And so I've been serving in the worship ministry for about 10 years. That is where I met my husband. Uh, we've been married for just six months, I guess, tomorrow. So not that long, but oh, tomorrow. Um, yeah, so that's where I met him. And then I recently started working at my church doing worship development, which is that's my heart. I mean, I love leading worship, but the behind the scenes of pouring into people, uh, serving the congregation, serving the team well, that's, that is everything to me. Um, so I've been doing that and which is perfect because that's kind of what my blog is about. I started this worship with abandoned blog and, um, just about the heart of worship and, and what that really looks like. So I guess that's kind of what I've been doing lately with, um, a little bit of songwriting, but I think that's all I can think of. I think that's pretty much my whole life story right there. So you started up the website Worship with Abandon and what exactly, so that comes out of your your heart for worship. Is there any particular story behind um, starting it or wanting to reach out in that type of way? Yeah, honestly, it's just an overflow of what I'm always talking about. I told my friends that I started it so that I would stop bothering them with a lot of conversations specifically around worship because... I mean, they were like, this is really great, Kristen, but we're kind of done. <laughs> and so <laughs> I needed a place for the overflow to go. And it's it's just been so sweet to see what God's done with that and how he's using it to minister to other people. And, you know, all the truth that he's pouring into me just keeps being poured out. So it's been really neat. So your, your vision and goal, um, essentially with the website, is to um, center people more about worship in its entirety and making sure that they 
or how, how would you describe the vision and goal with Worship and Abandon? Yeah, I mean, I think you're pretty much spot on and you and I have talked about it a little bit. So essentially, I just as a worship leader, I see people that just just don't know what it looks like to worship um, in a corporate setting, first of all. So like that musical aspect of worship and what that looks like. Um, and so I wanted to equip them and inspire them, hopefully to worship like they were made to, you know, as like we were created to do this. So, yeah, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But it, it was just it seemed so simple to me. And so it was just this goal of of bringing people in and saying, hey, this is really like this is within your wheelhouse. You just need to kind of um, kind of open your eyes to what that looks like. And um, so, yeah, that's really the heart behind it. And and gosh, it's just my favorite thing in the world. Yeah. And it, and it kind of just made me wonder whenever you're talking about that um, in terms of why we need people um, who specialize in what you're specializing in, because our sinful nature automatically points us the opposite direction of worship. And so mm-hmm. we kind of need that help in terms of sanctification. Um, and it is important to make sure we're worshiping correctly because our God deserves right worship. Um, yeah. So... We, you kind of just touched on this, but so a lot of individuals believe that worship is just the musical aspect of church service. I don't know if there's a specific terminology for it. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard some people call it praise, but I'm not sure if that's... Yeah. But um, have you seen this type of thinking, and how do you explain proper worship um, in light of that understanding of it? For sure. So I've seen a lot of that over the years, but it's interesting. Like Recently, what I've seen is people know that it's more than musical worship, so they come and they say, I know it's more than this, but I have no clue what that looks like, you know, and, and it's almost yeah. this paralyzing place to be of, okay, so after Sunday morning's over, what do I do? Like, what does that worship look like? Um, and I think Romans 12 gives us really great perspective on this. Paul's talking and he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. And I think the bottom line is worship is just response to yeah. everything that God's done. It's not, um, it's not the specific musical experience that we do on a weekend or, you know, on a Wednesday night or whatever, but it's, it's just response of absolute gratitude. And that looks like, that looks like service. That looks like obedience. That looks like, um, suffering that looks like praise. I mean, so to put it in a box of, I'm singing songs just really doesn't make sense. And it's really just not what the Bible talks about. That's such a small piece of it, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. And Romans 12, and like the whole, the verse, you know, Romans 12, one, like you just said, and the whole chapter is very practical. It just kind of, it really mm-hmm. lays it down for you. Yeah, that's easily one of the uh, best and hardest chapters whenever you really think about it. Um, so true. Uh, so... Of course, this is going to come up, but as a worship leader, um, what has has there been any impact of the worship wars in your particular church, and um, what was the consequences of that? I guess essentially. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I hate that term. It's just the worst. But but it's so prevalent. It's been around for years and years and years. And to me, when I hear that talked about and and this idea of basically like this is what worship looks like, or no, this is what worship looks like. It seems to come down to style of worship. Um, and 
and a lot of it being preference-based, at least in my personal experience, so much of it is just what people prefer. Right. And, and it, and then if it's not about what you prefer, what I've seen in my church and other churches, it's what the people prefer. So then it comes down to a people pleasing thing. And I mean, gosh, the Bible warns us against that so many times. It's not even funny. Right. So, um, it's about serving the congregation well and finding a musical style that facilitates worship. Uh, but we just, we've got to lay that preference thing down. And anybody that's listening that knows me would laugh because I've struggled with this more than maybe anybody, but so yeah. I'm preaching to myself here, but it's just about laying down preference and, um, and not worrying about pleasing other people, but just, just sticking to the word. And I think, it's in Galatians. Let's see, let me bring this up. It says, "This is Galatians 1:10. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ." Um, and I remember reading that, and it was so convicting because I was either on the, you know, I want worship to look like this train over here, or I was you know, on the complete opposite end of the spectrum going, no, our people want this, they need this, they have to have this, right? Right. Um, neither of which is, is the right way to go. So, um, yeah, I think it's just, it's a root of style preference. Is yeah. what I've seen. But I don't know, what do you think? Yeah, uh, we, we definitely have a tendency, I mean, I, I have to deal with this on a, on a daily basis where people take traditions or preferences and make them dogmatic. And then we have this great divide over something that really doesn't matter, especially whenever it comes to mm -hmm. issues like, um, well, Bible translation, which of course is a big oh, yeah. prominent one on this show for sure. Um, and so, yeah, we see that. I think humans just have a tendency of doing that. They, they take what they think is best and they try to apply it to everyone, which we know, like you said, isn't biblical. Um, yeah, definitely. Whenever it comes to preferences, I, I've, I've had a struggle with that too. I'll go into, um, a service and I'll hear a song and I'm just like, this, this doesn't work for me. And, <laughs> yeah. and I just kind of have to deal with it because even if it's not working for me, it's ministering to other people. And so it's a matter of where is my heart? Is it, is it where I'm letting the music minister to other people, even though it's not for me, or am I so self-centered that I want it to be my way kind of thing? Right. Well, and I think that's part of the worship leader's job is to, and it's a hard job. So I'm, you know, this isn't coming from a place of judgment, but we just have to be better about explaining the why behind what we do. You know, I've seen worship leaders who just make a ton of changes and they'll come in and say, Hey, we're going to add another keyboard, another electric guitar. We're going to have, um, a music director. Now we're going to have a ton of vocals or, or, you know, whatever, but they're making all these changes, even with a so like song list. And, and there's just no explanation as to why. And that creates a defensive, you know, heart in your people and yeah. that, you know, it, it's so important to shepherd well. So you have to come at it from a place of shepherding and know that you need to explain your why. Um, and it's one thing to say, like, we need an extra keys player, or, you know, keyboard because it, it fills the sound better and it just sounds great, you know? And it's another thing to say, Hey, so we really want to keep the, the worship going. We want to facilitate what God is doing. And if we stop the music, if we stop playing the keys in that moment, it's distracting. It can take people out of a moment of what God's doing. And so to be consistent, we need to add this pad here and this other keyboard isn't capable of doing it, whatever. But like, 
that was obviously a very specific explanation, but no, even general like, stuff, you know? I can think of some examples, honestly. Um, um, whenever one of, one of my personal things is, and I don't know if it's because um, I'm a musician, so I, I understand whenever people, you know, they want to change things up a little bit, but whenever you're singing a song with a congregation, and all of a sudden you kind of take a liberty with the song, and it's kind of like, well, you know, we're trying to worship with you guys. And I don't know how many churches had that issue, but where sometimes the vocalist will go up like a couple octaves and it's like, what, what just yeah. happened? <laughs> and and for yeah. me, like, I can't sing that high to begin with. So it's like, okay, no. Um, but yeah, I, I understand completely uh, with that. And as a, as a congregation, we need to be understanding the why too. We can't just put it all on the worship team. We should be in the word understanding why we're there. Um, why we're worshiping and and for many for uh the worship team and the congregants it becomes this issue of eh, we're just showing up and doing our you know daily sunday activity kind of thing and it's like no that it shouldn't be that way we need to understand why we're here and what we're doing mm -hmm. and i think that's often left behind um whenever we leave for church oh yeah and i mean i think like from satan's perspective he's you know, if our heart is taken, if we're like, no, we've made the decision, we're with Jesus, like this is this is what we're doing, then one of his <laughs> one of the uh, attempts to attack he has left is just to make our worship time and our time in the Word and all of that just as routine and boring and like as much of a checklist item as possible, right? So right. We just have to be aware of that. I mean, for a long time, I was like, why is this feeling so routine? Like, how did I let this get so lukewarm and mundane and all of that? And and I realized I was just like, I did not have my guard up. I was not putting on the armor of God. I was not being active in that. And it just left so much room for spiritual attack. And um, yeah, we just, we have to be aware of why we're doing it and what it's for. And, exactly. and not, you know, let it become a check. Yeah, and that, and that kind of goes with um, almost anything, really, whenever it comes to um, Scripture and obeying it. I mean, we can be reading Scripture, and we can be finding out all these truths, but if we never apply them, what what good do they do, really? So right. it's one thing to listen to it, and it's another thing to actually do it, uh, which was the point of James, you know, be, mm -hmm. be doers of the Word, not hearers only. So that's spot on. I really like the way you put that all. Um, okay. So where do you think the line should be drawn when a song makes incorrect or unbiblical statements. Gosh, you know, I could create some long answer, but I don't think that's necessary. I think you just don't sing them. I mean, and I think, I think so many of us know that, right. We know that to be true, but this happens a lot in faith. Like we get this gut feeling about something or, um, or the Lord speaks to us directly. And we just, we question, we doubt, we make excuses. I've heard so many people hear a song and the first thing out of their mouth is, I don't know that this is right, but gosh, the melody's beautiful. And, but look at these other lyrics that are so great. And, you know, but I hear from them that they know, they know that they know that they know that it's not right. So yeah, I don't know. to me, that one's pretty simple and it's, we just have to be theologically checking our songs. And I've seen churches become much more intentional about this, which is great. Um, and, and it's also just a matter of, I'm trying to think of how to word this. It's also a matter of just making the time to do that. I think it's, I touched on that a second ago, but it's the intentionality and, um, 
yeah, I could say something poetic about that, but it's, <laughs> it's really just the word is so clear. You know, if it's not God honoring and it's not the truth, we shouldn't be putting it into our minds. Period. Well, the end. And it makes me wonder, um, honestly, how much time, uh, not in particular your uh, church, but how many churches actually sit down and take time to evaluate what they're playing before they play it. Because mm-hmm. there seems to be like this, just like database that people pull songs from and they just go with it and they'll have mm-hmm. a new song next week that they never really thought about. And it's kind of like, well, we should be examining this stuff, but I'm not sure that uh, those in the worship teams actually do. It's hard to say on, you know, without any experience in that, um, I guess, ministry. Well, and part of what I've seen too is we get so many suggestions from the congregation and from volunteers and all of this stuff, right? So all of that stuff is coming in and then you start dealing with that pull to people please. Um, and the people pleasing in, in this scenario really comes from a heart of wanting to shepherd well, right? But but when it's coming from those people, you're not looking at it maybe as clearly as you could be because it's coming from a place of wanting to, in response to a request, you know, serve well. Um, and so I've seen a lot of that. Like if, if the worship leader is picking a song, there's a good chance that they've read the lyrics and say, okay, this is solid. But when they come and ask suggestions, they lean more quickly towards, you know, wanting to make it work. Um, right. And not all the time, but I've, I've seen that happen a couple of times. So, um, yeah, it's just a fine line to walk. Yeah, it's kind of, it's just one of those things. I mean, um, yeah, whenever it comes to uh, people pleasing in certain situations, you, you can't always give people what they want because it's not necessarily good for them at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. And especially with worship, you know, songs, they, they, they can influence the way we shape our thinking and we don't really take, we kind of take that for granted, I think. And even with uh, secular songs that I actually enjoy, I have to be aware that what, the lyrics are saying, I, I can't let them apply to my thinking because it is easy for them to soak in because they automatically connect emotionally. And right. then that's just a fast track to believing something really. Um, yeah. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I was talking to a friend yesterday and, and she was saying it's, it's so true, but our theology is supposed to inform our doxology. Right. Um, right. But so often it's the other way around. Like the songs that we sing are informing our theology. Um, and I was just, I was talking to my husband and I was like, I've got to go read the Bible, the whole thing through again. Like it's been so pieced together over the years and, but we have to have solid theology before we're letting songs just tell us what the Bible says. Like we need to know what the Bible says Right. songs need to affirm it. So, um, yeah, but it's, it's really interesting how we will go into church on a Sunday morning and it's, it's sad, but like. I grew up in worship ministry, right? So the more I read the word, the more I go, oh, this song comes from this, you know, but it's the song that I realized was starting to shape my theology. So you really got to guard against that. Um, speaking from experience, it's super important. So yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, really you can't, I mean, that's well stated. And that's one of the beautiful things about being a Protestant is that we have scripture as our sole authority on everything. So we always have to make sure we go back to it. Otherwise we're not really living out, but we try to protect on a daily basis. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, so the hard one, I think the hardest one nowadays is, um, how do you think we should respond to worship artists who are unbiblical or heretical? Uh, yes. Um, and we don't have to get into specifics. It was just kind of like, well, what would you think on this topic? I guess. Sure. Yeah. And it's interesting because, 
we're all we're all sinners, right? And I think it's it's so easy to look at somebody and go like, you are your song, you are your music, all that jazz. Um, but I just I always try to separate the two and look at it really logically and just go, if this song, if you're if you're what you're putting out there doesn't align with scripture, then I'm not going to sing it, I'm not I'm not going to listen to it, and I'm for sure not going to share it with our people, you know. Um, but as far as them individually, like I think what I've seen people struggle with and what I've struggled with too, is like, where do you draw the line with them personally? And it sounds silly, but it's like, do you stop following them on social media? Do you not support, um, other ministry that they do? Like, I I think the question isn't necessarily like, do I listen to their song? Because a lot of people would go, Oh no, I just don't listen to it. It's more so like, do you follow them and look up to them as somebody that is minister could minister to you? Right. And that um, kind of goes back to the, whenever we're talking about, you know, um, doxology and forming theology, though, mm-hmm. and you have um, individuals in a position of influence putting out music, and you, I, for me, it would be, well, I can't really support this individual because that's supporting um, thoughts and theology that's just incorrect, and to support them would be to encourage them to continue, and um, mm-hmm. looking throughout church history and that, that was one of the things that many um, theologians had to do was to um, basically just stop supporting and kind of cut them off until they repented and realigned themselves. And we live in an age where that doesn't really happen. Mm-hmm. And essentially what you have to do is let them do the thing and just faithfully proclaim scripture. And, but it's just kind of like, I don't know. It's kind of a weird position that we're in nowadays, especially with, the way theology has been developing in the United States. Yeah. And you made some really good points. And I think it's also a case by case basis. Like, um, I look at Gunger and I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. Like that's, just, you know, I was actually kind of sad by that too, honestly, cause I liked their music yeah. and then I read some of his statements and I was like, Oh man, why'd you have to go and do that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, part of it is looking at the body of work, right? Cause the thing is we're all sinners. So I would hate to put like, if I put something out there on my blog or in a, something like a song I'm writing or whatever, and somebody just, you know, nixes me entirely because I was unaware of something or I didn't know, um, like I would rather than a, you know, kindly tell me because we're supposed to, you know, admonish one another, one another in love when necessary and, you know, when needed, but also, you know, I look at something like, um, Reckless Love is a big song right now that everybody's like, is this love reckless? I don't know what that looks like. And, um, but I think it's important to look at somebody's body of work and, and most worship leaders that write, um, you can, you can get a good sense for their theology by, um, how they speak. Um, because a lot of these worship leaders are speaking at conferences and different things. So, I mean, what I'll do is I'll just go and kind of do a little investigating into investigating. That sounds like such a silly word to use, but I mean, no, I mean, makes sense. Yeah. I'm like, actually you would appreciate that word. I'm sure. But of course, um, (laughs) yeah. So I go and kind of see their body of work and and listen to stuff that they've been teaching on and, and then start to kind of add it all up and, and see from there really what the heart of the matter is. And, and, and I think you can make a better, more educated decision from there, you know? Yeah, I guess it just depends on um, whether or not we see um, the publication of worship songs on the radio and stuff like that as teaching in some sense. Mm. 
because if it is, then we have um, then we do have a conflict because you know the biblical instruction for teachers are to be biblical, mm-hmm. and so I don't know. It just it creates an interesting dynamic that I don't think that the past really had to deal with because they had people in the church who knew theology, writing hymns, and of course there were some who um, wrote hymns for the sake of it, but mm-hmm. not all of them were accepted into. Uh, churches, you know, so it's kind of like, well, now we have the radio and mass, um, you know, we we have so much information now, like even with the topic mm-hmm. of reckless love, I've, I've heard so many different perspectives on that now. And yeah. with, with that particular song, um, I found personally that, what's his name, Corey Asburn, I think that's how you say Asbury. it. <laughs> I can never say anyone's names correctly. That's why I try to just say, you know, that guy. Um, yeah. But yeah. I found his statements actually to be worse than the lyrics of the song. Um, and so with such a song, I mean, it's been very well. I mean, people are just taking it in and it sounds, it sounds great. Got a good sound, but it's just like, well, it's influencing a lot of people. And at what point do we say this isn't good because the man who wrote it has some, in my opinion, some heretical things to say. And I'm not saying he's a heretic, I wouldn't do that. I'm saying he's, he's, he's an heir and we all make errors. It's at what point do we reach out to them and say, hey, we need to talk about this. And then at what point do we say, hey, he's not repenting from his theological inconsistencies and kind of go into that situation? Because church discipline is also another issue that's kind of been going out the window. And at what point do we um, take church discipline to those types of leaders now? Because if they are worship mm-hmm. leaders then they need to be going by biblical standards as we've been talking about the whole time here. So it's just... Right. Well, and what I'm seeing more and more throughout Scripture when people are admonishing one another and speaking in truth and um, confronting them with things that they need to be confronted with, they're in relationship with them in some form or fashion. And not not every time, but I'm, just, I'm seeing that theme more and more. And um, so that's that's part of how I look at it is yeah. who am I in relationship with? Who do I have? Who has God given me authority to speak into their lives? You know? Yeah. And, it's kind of the role of the local congregations really. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think that's, that's their deal. And, and again, we just have to, we have to test everything against the word and we have to take it um, to God. And even, I mean, there are so many things where I like hear something and I just like, Lord, right? Is that right? Is that wrong? Is that, you know, and, and even somebody that's listening to this podcast, I would say, well, don't necessarily listen to us, but have you asked, like, have you asked God to speak to you about his character? Because he'll tell you, you know? Right. Um, and have you, have you read about it? Cause that'll tell you just as much, you know? So yeah, there are so many ways to check that stuff. I think it's just we've gotten into the habit of not doing that. So yeah, that is true. Um, we, we got into a time where easy answers, just Googling things. We expect Google to have all the answers instead of going to (laughs) the one who has really all the answers. And what, of course you find all this misinformation and people run with it and it becomes problematic, but that's one of the curses of our age. And really it's, um, unparalleled with other issues in church history. We, we have very different problems, but, um, underneath it all, I think, um, the major issues are the same, but the way that they're being spread is kind of the big difference. Yeah, uh, for sure. So with that being said, 
when we, you kind of touched on this throughout this whole interview, but is there anything you wish worship teams uh, would do differently? I mean, so many things, but you know, <laughs> including myself, I hope that this doesn't come across as judgmental um, because that's not my heart in it at all. But I, and I'm in this category. I think I just wish that we would lead out with more intentionality and it's, it's just so easy to grow weary of doing good and to become tired of checking set lists or um, practicing our songs or, or all of that. But, you know, it's, it's that verse in Colossians, you know, work wholeheartedly as if you're working for the Lord and not man, because that's, that's exactly what we're doing. Right. So I just, I think we would be so much more effective in our ministries if we took the time to really place God at the center of them and, and asked him things like I went to this worship school and it blew my mind, but the leader there um, said it took so long for her to prep because she had asked God about each one of us, what he wanted to say to each one of us, um, what songs that he wanted to be sung, how he wanted the room to look. And he responded and told her all of it. Um, now that took way more time than we tend to put into an average weekend. Right. But, um, that blew my mind. So now when I make a set list, I'm like, okay, I could easily do this out of my flesh, but it's just not going to be nearly as good or as powerful or as authentic as if we do this together, you know? So yeah, that it's just, yeah, yeah, go ahead, sir. Oh no. Um, I think I was done. Go for it. What are your thoughts on it? No, that, that was, I mean, honestly, that was, and again, like all these problems seem to be universal in every uh, field is that we seem to have so many to do's that we just try to rush everything. We live in a time where everyone wants everything now, so we don't have the time to prep. And so what do people do? They resort to um, shortcuts and just kind of going off of their own understanding, like you put it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a very great point is that we should be definitely, hey, even whenever it comes to examining text, we should always be going to christ because there's no proper interpretation without that lens really so right and you know it's interesting um when i was in a songwriting workshop the the guy that was teaching it basically said you'll never he said co-writing is everything and i remember thinking i don't know i like writing by myself and <laughs> um and he was like you'll either you'll either write with with christ or you'll write like with someone else or both, but you like just never write by yourself. And I think it's the same thing. There's so much value in, in community and there's so much value in, um, communion with God. And so it's the same thing. Like, I don't want to build set lists by myself. I don't want to lead people in worship by myself. What's that about? You know, that's, that just becomes so fruitless and, and empty. And it's just not at all what it's about. And so it's just like he said, you, you write with God, that's what you're doing. Um, and so I think it's the same thing when we lead. Oh yeah, definitely. And then whenever it comes to that, I mean, honestly, Jesus himself said, apart from me, you could do nothing. So what makes you think that you could produce any kind of spirit, um, inducing, I guess, materials without (laughs) the one who sent the spirit to us? I mean, that's just something that we tend to kind of let go in terms of everything really. And we have a triune Mm -hmm. God who, who brought us into a relationship, not merely a soul journey into the abyss of Christian living. 
So yeah. it's kind of like, yeah, we, we definitely need to be remembering that we're, we're walking with a relationship. Um, oh, wow, that rain. We're walking in a relationship <laughs> with a triune God who is in himself in a relationship, and that's the way we were designed. And so to do things by yourself is, like you said, completely um, basically just asking to have fruitless endeavors all the time. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, awesome. There's maybe one other thing I would add to that, and that's just I'm preaching to myself, but I think the more God convicts me of this, the more, you know, <laughs> I want to share it and go, guys, we've got to get better at this. But it's just we've touched on it. The whole idea of worship leaders really needing to be theologians and have a firm, firm understanding of the word and so- solid theology. Um, my current uh, worship leader is phenomenal at this. It's just it's an importance in understanding the word because I mean, we're putting, I think this is Jenny Riddle that says this, but like we're putting words into the mouths of the bride of Christ. Like that's a really, really important. Yeah. That's, um, that's very interesting way to look at it too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the way she said that and you know, that's from a worship leader slash songwriter perspective. So it's a little bit of both, but like we, we just have to take that seriously. And so I think it's really easy to just go, oh, I'm putting someone else's songs together and I'm just welcoming them into like an exciting experience. And um, I don't think any of the, us do that like intentionally. I don't think that's our mindset, but it's just, it can become a subconscious thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's that idea that you have to be super intentional with what you share before you lead into a set and, you know, during, are you putting versus up on a screen if you have one like what are you doing to really put the word of god into the mouths um and and hearts and minds of his of his bride that's super important right and i mean that's all what it boils down to if um christ is the truth and we're proponents of truth then we need to be making sure that everything we're doing is truthful and that includes our theology and that's that's one of the big themes of the show here is everyone's a theologian and everything you say about god whenever you're reading scripture everything you um, determine whenever you're interpreting a passage, you're making a theological, um, you're building on your theology and mm-hmm. everything centered around the theology. Theology is this, literally the study of God. And so anytime you say anything about God, you're making a theological statement. And I think people, um, detach that and say, oh, that's academic, but no, you're a theologian and you're either a good theologian or you're a bad theologian. And we need to be sure mm-hmm. that we're properly handling scriptures so that we know God and, um, Yeah, and you mentioned experience, too. I think a lot of us kind of tend to um, want experience so much that we we start forgetting the word and that ultimately illumination is the the experience that we should be um, looking forward to in Scripture, at least, and worship. um, I'm not... I know that there's a big um, struggle in worship with experience and with um, the Holy Spirit moving, but I'm just not qualified to talk on that. In fact, in the last episode, I had to kind of deal with that. But oh yeah, yeah. So that's something I'm gonna have to look more into in that arena. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, um, my worship leader puts this really well, and he says that the word informs our worship. Um, yeah. Because worship is like, especially in that musical weekend worship setting, like it's an absolute response. So if we're not pouring out the word of God, like, what do we expect them to be responding to? Right. Um, and I, we get questions all the time and I used to struggle with this a ton, but it's just that idea of engagement. Like 
how do you get your people engaged? How do you get your team engaged? How do you stay engaged? And it's, it seems like such a buzzword right now, but it, it really comes to informing them with the word of God and, and are you praying for them? Are you like interceding on behalf of your people? But that's a whole nother conversation. I told you, this is why I started the blog. I cannot stop talking about this stuff. <laughs> it's gonna be a long episode. You'll have to cut it down. <laughs> no, no, no. That's good. Um, I'm okay with that. Uh, no, whenever, you know, you made me think of another topic. We'll go a little bit off here too. Um, whenever I think about the, the order in which we do things on Sunday, that's kind of interesting too, because um, I always thought that if we came in, we had time where people, whenever they would come in, they had time to pray and, you know, in mm-hmm. silence. And then we would have a sermon and then have the musical aspect of worship. I think, I think we would see things a little bit uh, more to what the, the, the leaders of the congregation would want to see, I guess to put it that way. And we would also see a more of a fulfilling response in the congregants, because like you said, um, the word informs our worship. So what's a better way to worship and praise than to have the sermon and have something to respond to whenever you begin. But mm-hmm. we just structured, I don't know, that's something to play with. And I think that the way things were structured in the, the, the church of the early, you know, third, second century, it was, it was sort of like that. You'd go in, you'd have a reading of the word and you'd have hymns. And of course, everyone would eat dinner together and have communion. And -hmm. I think that we, um, that we shouldn't stay with a standard procedure, I guess. And maybe that could be part of the problem is that whenever you come in, you just got done trying to rush to church, you know, (laughs) who knows what happened on the way to church? Cause there's some mornings where it's like, Oh my gosh, get in the car. Let's go people kind of right. thing and it stresses people out and you get there and then all of a sudden you're asked to switch gears and it's kind of like well you know we don't really have time so it makes you wonder like if we could sit down and pray and make sure that our hearts align before we get into at least you know the praise aspect of it because it's hard to switch gears like that especially whenever you're running late and you're a little bit stressed and you go into the pew just waiting and then all of a sudden you have to sing uh you know sing to god you know it's, it's a difficult thing i think oh for sure and i mean that's why the call to worship is so important. And some churches do this, some churches don't, but I think it was Austin Stone that put it like this. They're like, a call to worship isn't like a hype, you know, a hype statement to get people excited for an experience. Like it is a, hey, I know this morning may have been stressful. You're busy, you're coming in, you got a lot on your mind. This is our focused centering on Christ moment so that our worship is coming from a place of like, how do I say this? Coming from a place of truth and a place where we like are just absolutely focused and, um, and dwelling on what he's done. Right. Versus like, okay, I know this is true, but I'm not really doing anything with it. Um, so yeah, that call to worship is super, super important. Yeah. And it's funny that you, um, that you said that because one of the first things when I think of worship is this, um, it's a short clip by Alistair Begg. I don't know if you know um, who he is. Um, he's a theologian and uh, he has this great little clip on um, worship. I'll have to send it to you, but I think I'll play it on the next show for everyone so they can hear it. But it basically it, it says exactly what you said. Um, and, and it's exactly true. We, we have to um, make sure we relate everything um, in the outside and internally with scripture in, in terms of our experience, because our experience and our feelings will oftentimes mis- they won't line up with scripture. And so we have to make sure that we're conforming to the word and mm-hmm. um, yeah, we have to make sure it triumphs over that. So yeah, that was a great thing to add to that. Um, yeah. 
So that all being said, if you could tell people or what is something you would like to tell people about worship, generally speaking? Generally speaking, I would just say that it's your response. So, you know, whatever that looks like, whatever that sounds like, you know, that's what you're bringing to worship. It's just your response to who God is, what he has done, um, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, all these things. I mean, details of what he's doing in your life now. Um, but it is just an absolute response to who he is and what he's done. Um, and again, that can look different, sound different. Um, we just have to get out of that box. Um, and I would just say, you know, be aware, like be in the word, be informed. And then I think the last thing that I would add to this, and this is something that I've walked through in the last couple of years, but when you're trying to live a life of worship and you're, and you're doing it on an empty well, like it's just so draining. It's so exhausting. And, and the word of God and, and time and communion with him is, is the water that you need to fill up that well, if that makes sense. So, um, his presence is just, it's so accessible to us. Like the veil was torn. Right. And so, um, I would just encourage people saying like, you have absolute access. It's just a matter of pursuing it and being intentional. Um, and then I guess like above everything, he is just beyond worthy of every single bit of ourselves that we can offer him. Right. Right. Everything we have, everything we are. And so I would just, I would just encourage us to give it all, you know, like we hold back for so many reasons, but he is just worth so much more than our lukewarm worship. Yeah. That's uh, spot on. Yeah. And, uh, why, why would we not go to the throne whenever we have given that we, we got the access that we, the re- reason why we came to salvation is because we wanted that access because we needed the access to the throne. So why don't mm-hmm. we more readily approach it? And of course there's a bunch of hindrances and I think most of it is, um, our flesh, um, at the end of the day is keeping us from it, whether it be pride or shame or something, but we have to realize that Christ is bigger than that. And we have to always go back. And like you said, you know, um, it's all about living in response. That, that was a great way to put it. Thank you. Um, huh. Thanks. That's, I'm thankful a lot of wise people have poured into me with this stuff. So it's been good. No, yeah, this, this has been uh, great. Um, is there anything you'd like to add or anything you'd like to say? Or, You know, I can't think of anything that would be short. I feel like we should do three more of these. <laughs> but, oh, but uh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm all for that. Um, yeah, this has been really great. It's been a blessing uh, talking to you. And it's one thing to, um, we, we touched a lot of, lot of ground then. And it seems that it all boils down to um, simplifying it in terms of going back to scripture and making sure that we're just living out basically the Christian life um, mm-hmm. the way that the Bible tells us to. So, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff, Nick. You know, thank you for being on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been fun. Yeah, of course. And yeah, we'll get you back on here. Maybe I can think of some more interesting questions uh, for you. And we'll we'll branch out to a variety of topics. I'll just expand on this one somehow. Nice. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Send us an email. Let us know what you thought about the topics at hand. And don't forget to check out Kristen's website, worshipwithbandon.com. And I hope to have her back on the show again. It was a really fun interview. Had a lot of fun with it. And we have um, some more interviews in the future coming up some on textual criticism manuscripts and 
possibly more topics on worship. We'll have to see. Anyway, next week, a lot of interesting topics. We'll have to see what happens. Um, it should go back to normal Thursdays. Uh, this week, I'm going out of town, which is why we have the Wednesday show again. So we'll go back to normal, and God bless you all. You guys have a great weekend. <laughs>